Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. We've got a special episode of the Celtics pod today, guys. It's Brendan, Tim and myself doing the trade deadline primer. Now, I know Keith Smith released an article about this earlier in the week. Now it's going to be the audio version. It's going to be the following a different format, mainly because I'm following Brendan's here. And just in case you listened to the last podcast and you were wondering, yes, he did turn on my notifications. We won <laughs> I did. I did. He doesn't know I turned them off after I sent the picture, but... Uh, we'll see, we'll see. He'll, I'm going to ask for another picture in a moment. Anyway, let's get straight into this because there's a lot to talk about and very little time. Well, not very little time, but little enough. Let's do this. So, guys, we've been talking off air for like, what, the last 25 minutes talking about trades that we've seen, trades that we think are possible. Where should we start? I mean, there's been quite a few rumors coming out. Danny Ainge went on record saying he thinks the team's got too many young guys which was intriguing. It definitely helped the rumor mill speed up. Where do you want yeah. to start, guys? I mean, do we start with this Capella stuff since that's what's hot right now? And it's like I, the only center upgrade, I feel like. Yeah, I think the Capella one makes the most sense only because it's probably the biggest name they've been mentioned with outside of Davis Bertans. I also think the Capella one is probably the most complicated in terms of getting possibly a third team involved. So with Capella, I think he's an obvious upgrade over Cancer. I think in any kind of deal that you're trying to get Clint Capella into Boston, you have to consider a couple different factors, mainly who are the young guys you're sending out, which picks or pick do you send out in return for him. I optimistically would try and keep Daniel Tice just because he gives you a little bit more versatility as opposed to Cancer. I think you get a little bit more of the same with Capella, except he's a better defender and he can catch lobs. And on top of that, do you have to get a third team involved in order to try and satisfy Houston? Right now at this point in time, I'm not sure if Houston's just trying to dump salary or if they're actually trying to improve their roster while also cutting salary. It seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag with Houston. And I just wonder what generally Celtics fans feel about it. I think Oftentimes people compare Robert Williams to Clint Capella or say that he could have that same potential. I think Clint Capella is a clear upgrade over cancer. So if you can get Capella in the building and somehow manage to keep Tice, if you manage to keep your core intact, it, it seems like a no-brainer, but I really don't know if Houston's going to bite on it. So I looked at a few of Clint Capella's stats on cleaning the glass before we started this, simply because I wanted to see what he was doing this year. I've heard that he's having a bit of a down year, to be honest. I haven't seen much of him to make a fair assumption without going to the numbers, really. So just for um, just for reference point, on offensive rebounds, there's, there is a slight drop-off between him and Cantor, but not much. He's ranked, Capella is ranked in the 89th percentile for offensive rebounds off field goals. So that's only like, what, 11% of players are doing better than him. He's grabbing 12.4% of those offensive rebounds that are available. On the defensive end is where you start to see a huge, not a huge, but a big uptick. He's in the 94th percentile. There's only 6% of players in the league grabbing more defensive boards than him. So he's going to provide you with 
control on the glass on both ends of the floor where at the, only, at the moment Cantor only provides it on the one end. So to me, that's where part of the upgrade is. He's also had a bit of an off year in blocks. Last year he was off as well. His block rates actually declined throughout his career. But yeah, I agree with you, Tim. I think if you can move Cantor, keep Tice. And then obviously there's going to be some fillers. There might be a young guy and a pick that needs to go there. It definitely is an upgrade, and it's one that could really help the team control the glass against both ends. I still don't think he puts you over the top against guys like Embiid, but he helps get you a lot closer than what we are at the moment. He's also cost-controlled, too. Um, Adam and I have talked a little bit off-air about it, but the one thing that concerns me with Cantor is he's got a player option for next year, and he's getting about $5 million a year. He's definitely going to get offered more in the free agent market. Uh, The one glaring concern I have with Capella beyond the fact of matching that salary and potentially what picks need to go out uh, is the fact that he's currently dealing with some kind of ankle injury, something that could be a little bit nagging, at least by the sounds of it. uh, When we've had Houston come out and talk about it, it it seems like it's something he could be resting through the all-star break and a little bit after. So it's just adding another injured big man to a core that really needs healthy bodies. So, I don't know if Boston's pulling it. My opinion is, is if we're hearing it out in the news, the likelihood of it happening, especially with a big name like Capella, at least it's a big name in, in relation to this deadline, but hearing big names like that and the Celtics being mentioned in it probably means it's not going to happen just because Danny Ainge works in silence. That's kind of how he does it. He's going to pull some kind of deal we aren't looking for if he's going to pull one at all. And if not, we're going to get the same spiel we usually get at the deadline. The quote, yeah. Biggie Smalls, don't you know that bad boys move in silence and violence? <laughs> You've been on this Biggie Smalls all day today. Yeah, I dug up a little bit of the, uh, I wanted to read into the Capella injury, and it was it was interesting, like uh, Kelly Iko, the athletic guy for the Rockets, put something out. You know, the team's calling it a heel injury, um, but it could be plantar fasciitis, which I had to look up what that is, and it's pretty much something going on with your, um, with, the connector between your heel and the ball of your foot makes it difficult to walk that could be long-term. D'Antoni had a quote saying it could linger and it could be a while. Um, so there definitely is a concern with that. But, I mean, if, you're, if that does not uh, present to be an issue, because that, I mean, that's like, that I don't want to speak on it too much because I'm not all too educated on these medical terms, but from a little bit of Googling, it's like, you know, if it's serious, it could be a year long thing, which obviously it doesn't seem like that. Um, but right now, I mean, there is some concern there, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't move on Tice, but I mean, the Danny thing talking about young guys is interesting because to me, that means I, I could find myself putting Langford in a lot of these deals. Um, and it's really early to do that considering he's had injuries this year. He hasn't really gotten much opportunity, but you know, if they're trying to go all in now, I mean, and most of the time it is a three team when I try to do this and Minnesota is getting a bunch of assets that they would then try to flip for D'Lo later. Um, but I mean, would you give up like Can- Cantor, Langford, Poirier for filler? And I mean, is the Memphis first too much? The Memphis first is so weird now because like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the 15th pick. Its value is depreciating by the day, for sure. You see, I can imagine it being the, the Celtics first, like Boston's own first-round pick. The only thing is, and John Corrales made a point of this on his podcast uh, today, which will be yesterday when you guys hear this, with Houston only having enough roster space to take two players back, so a third team would 
it either needs to be a free team deal to facilitate the extra roster spot going into Houston, or there needs to be a preemptive move made, move made before that trade happened. Hmm. Uh, Which complicates is, things, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with three-team deals, and we were even talking about potentially four-team deals at this point. I know we can mention it later in the pod, but Adam had found a four-team deal that he heard about. Um, these kind of complications with picks going out and salary matching, it gets more difficult with a team like the Celtics who are hard-capped. So in order to make money match, it's cobbling a bunch of contracts together. And when you get other teams involved, it just – Someone, everyone needs to be happy. Everyone needs to be agreeing to these terms. So when we throw out trade ideas like this, it's important to keep that in mind. Um, in concerns with the pick with Memphis, I think if that is a deal breaker, if you need to give the Memphis pickup in order to get someone who's going to help you in the short term and long term, I think you kind of need to do it. We don't really know where this pick is exactly going to land. Um, as Brandon was saying, it, it could be like the 15th pick. And at this point now in time, we really don't need more first-rounders. It, it is interesting to see Danny Ainge go out publicly say, yeah, we've got a lot of young guys because it kind of goes along the same vein that I've seen a few people talk about. Uh, Keith Smith's talked about it a little bit where the Celtics are in this spot right now where they really need a consolidation trade uh, for multiple reasons. I think if they go ahead and they get a consolidation trade that nets them a guy like Capella or maybe even a guy like Davis Bertans, it, it goes ahead and frees up some roster space so you can go ahead and bring up a guy like uh, Tremont Waters so we can finally get him on the team and see what he can do at, at the main stage because he's shown some brilliant flashes when he's called up, but right now there's so many guys in front of him. And it's the same problem with Romeo Langford. Um, as much as I don't want to give up on a late lottery pick, I don't know how he's going to get playing time here without a trade happening. Whether he's involved in the trade or not is besides the point. I just think they need to clear up some roster space in order to get these younger guys some playing time that they, honestly, some of these guys really deserve. I want to stop there and just remove myself from basketball conversation for a moment to just let everybody know that if they're wondering why your voice sounds so familiar, it's because you sound strikingly similar to Joe Rogan. Anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was a fleeting thought. came to my head. I had to get it out there. It's on air now. Everybody's heard it. Um, Me? Yeah, you. Moving. <laughs> so, if we were to operate in a vacuum and just assume that the Rockets have got the extra roster spot to allow us, allow the Celtics to make this trade, or if we're acting as the GM operating in that vacuum, are we all agreed on it would be Cantor, Poirier, Romeo Langford, and a first round pick be Memphis or Boston's on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like the Atlanta one that was pitched where Atlanta's in place of the Celtics here in this three-team deal with also Houston and Minnesota, it had Atlanta giving up Brooklyn's 2021st. Um, so it's interesting to me, like if you're including Langford also, then the Boston pick is obviously worse than the Brooklyn one, but Brooklyn's pick is like decent this year. It's not that far off from the Memphis one necessarily. Um, so it's interesting. Maybe that Boston one, but yeah, I mean, around that package, yes. And then to kind of feed off what Tim mentioned as a consolidation trade, Zach Harper put one out on an, on an athletic article where it was like two trades for every, every team should make. And one of those trades suggested was Enes Kanter and Vincent Poirier for Taj Gibson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no thanks. Like, is yeah, Taj no. worse than Poirier, to be honest? Like, 
like uh, the way I look at it is like Taj Gibson is a guy to be on a team like New York because he brings that tough culture that never back down. He's a grit and grind sort of guy. He's not the guy you bring in to try and bridge the gap between you and the contenders that are considered slightly better than what your team is. So to me, that was a terrible idea. I understand you free up that roster spot. Maybe he's looking at bringing in Tremont Waters. I don't see how that helps bridge the gap either. But for me, that's probably the worst trade proposal I've seen since these rumors started heating up over the last few days. (laughs) Yeah, the only center deal that interests me is this Capella one. I think that's the only one that makes sense as an upgrade out of guys that are listed as available right now. There's some interesting front court ones, like power forward stretch fours, but I think Capella is like the only center that's a real upgrade. He's also the only real center, too. Sorry. I'm keen to keep the Sacramento trade ideas until the second part of this podcast, just because I know that you're going to have a lot to say on those, Brendan. So I think that leads us over to Davis Bertans and what possible trade packages could be put forward towards Washington and who's more likely to say no or blink first in those negotiations. Can I whip one out? You can't whip it out. You can whip one out. All right, all right, all right. I got one. Um, <laughs> so I, I cooked up a couple looking at the ESPN trade machine. And, of course, this is just to figure out salary. That's the hardest part in these deals. Um, but one idea that I had brings a familiar pace back to Boston, and that is Isaiah Thomas and Davis Bertans for Romeo Langford, Carson Edwards, Vincent Poirier in a Memphis first-round pick. Um, I would also probably maybe include another first-rounder. So in terms of salary that matches, you could also swap in Cantor if you wanted to uh, for any of those players and it would still work. Um, my big thought process with this is, is Davis Bertans actually available? Is Washington willing to deal him? Um, we've talked before a little bit about maybe Washington doesn't need to move these guys because they're trying to still set themselves up for next year. They're planning on John Wall coming back. They want to be competitive. They want to be a playoff team. And Davis Pertans, considering how well he's played this year, is going to be a huge part of that. Now, if they're playing hardball, they're playing hard to get, do you need to go ahead and drop another first-round pick in this? Are you trying to convince them, give us Pertans in order to take on this draft capital? Maybe that's the move. Maybe that's what they're trying to do, and that's just what they're trying to say to the media in order to drive up the asking price. My big concern is, is the fact that if another contender, specifically a team like Milwaukee or Philly, comes in and puts a bigger offer on the table, they're able to get Bertans, and now you have to worry about guarding him in the playoffs in addition to everything else. So my rationale behind it is whatever the asking price for Davis Bertans is, you're going to get his bird rights. I think it's a move worth it if you're trying to build off of what you've got this year, and it also prevents him from going to a potential contender that you're going to have to face in the playoffs so sorry Brendan I had to go on uh it's interesting like I heard Bertans they were looking for a lottery pick and the Celtics are like the only upper tier of like these four east teams that are rumored to just be looking to improve in every way possible that has a potential lottery pick and even then like this Memphis one doesn't look like it's going to be a lottery pick which sucks but I mean, if you had the Memphis one and, say, Boston's own first, like, that does get somewhat tempting for them. But at the same time, I know that they are desperate to keep Bradley Beal happy right now. And Lowe said on uh, on his pod yesterday with Brian Windhorst that Washington is actually, like, quietly potentially going to make 
a uh, going to be buyers at this deadline. And so, you know, they've been linked to like Tristan Thompson right now um, and trying to sneak into that eight seed in the playoffs. So it's interesting, but like, I don't, does that blow them away? It's, it's a close one though, because I mean, Romeo's a first round pick. Carson has some, um, some human torch capabilities, you know, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting here. It, it's, it's a lot, but Bertans is just a, absolute beast off the bench what do you think of this one adams first of all i love the fantastic four reference well done brendan um <laughs> the thor reference fantastic four. Comics, oh fantastic four yeah yeah got it got it got it yeah you know that's uh terrence ross's nickname <laughs> really oh, yeah yeah He's so human torch <laughs> moving swiftly on um i'm kind of a fan of moving for the i'm gonna premise this first saying i'm not against the idea of trading for Davis Bertans, the one thing that worries me is that he's strictly a sharpshooter from deep. If you run that guy off the line, his scoring percentages drop drastically and very quickly to the point where he's only shooting 28% from inside the arc this season. And, and by the line, you mean the half-court line, right? Yeah. No, he's shooting 43% from deep. As soon <laughs> as he steps into the mid-range area, he's only shooting 28%. So that's worrying to me, especially in the playoffs when teams are going to scheme and just run him off the line. He can easily be nullified. He's struggled from mid-range for the majority of his career, so that's kind of a worry. Uh, He's a sub-50% shooter from anywhere that isn't three points for his entire NBA career. If they were to trade for him, I think a package of Romeo Carson and maybe, and this is a steep price, two picks would get it done. However, my thinking is that they don't, not only do they want to keep Bradley Beal happy, but because of the contract they've got with John Wall, they're banking on having that kind of core of John Wall, Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans as the three main guys, and then they want to build around those. So trading him negates that John Wall contract, and if that angers Bradley Beal to opt out, if I was the GM of of Washington, I'd be looking at, well, if we trade Bertans and then we get worse and then Bill wants to leave, we're stuck with just John Wall and we don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back on this albatross of a contract. I think Davis Bertans is the least likely guy to get moved out of everyone we're going to discuss. Yeah, but you really could overwhelm him with this one. I mean, this is a lot going on and yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And in my counter to the whole Bertans uh not doing much aside from shooting the long ball is, I mean, you have so many other creators on this team and the value that he has in there's no, the opposing team is glued to him. They cannot help. And if, if these other creators on the Celtics are able to play, you know, even a little bit of four on four, I think that that in itself becomes a little bit successful, but yeah, I mean, Bertans probably is the least likely to get traded here, but now, this is something that I guess could be hard to turn down. I think you're right, though, that the situation with Beal is what kind of makes this difficult. Yeah, and it's the John Wall aspect to me as well, because if Beal, if Beal decides he wants out and requests a trade during the summer or makes life difficult for that front office and they're stuck with just John Wall and rebuilding young guys, it makes life really difficult to navigate. And that's part of the problem. I mean, that was one of the reasons that Chris Paul's so difficult to move on from. I mean, I know that the funder are happy with him where he is now, and he's imparting some invaluable wisdom onto SGA. But the fact that that, and, and Wall, sorry, I'm 
John Wall has been that badly hurt that you just don't know if he's going to come back with the same explosiveness that he had before. So you need to hedge your bets on being able to surround Wall with talent to, to maximize your return on investment from that contract. From a business standpoint, moving Bertans weakens you not only now, but it weakens your bargaining position in free agency when you're trying to attract other rotation guys. I also do want to throw out one last thing, um, not pertaining to Bertans, but just a tweet that started coming up. Uh, this is from Marcus Thompson, who is a columnist from the Oakland area. Just tweeted out, time to start scrubbing your old Wiggins tweets. So with that being said, I know oh, that the no. Warriors. Yeah, exactly. So I'm assuming possibly even before the rest of this uh, podcast is finished recording, we might have a tweet saying a deal is done. But And, that, and that's the four team we've been talking about. That's going to be yeah, Capella. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be Capella on the move to Atlanta, uh, Minnesota moving Covington, as well as moving uh, Wiggins to Golden State uh, in terms for D'Lo coming back. We'll see how that pans out, but an interesting tweet, nevertheless. Um, it doesn't have to, to be. Technical. It doesn't have to be Capella moving that way, though. It can be Boston that's involved in that deal. It, it could. could. Sacramento's been mentioned too. There are a couple teams it could be, but the one that's been mentioned by multiple people is the Atlanta one. Yeah, and that's probably the most likely. I'm just saying that don't bank on it being Atlanta straight away. It most likely is. I'm just being a bit of a home here and saying. There's a 14 trade in front of me that can have Capella land on the Celtics. Yeah. I'm going to have to elaborate now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's uh, Andrew Wiggins to the Warriors with a first-round pick from Minnesota. What did this just... Oh, I thought you were saying something happened. I was like, holy... It's a suggestion. (laughs) Okay, okay. Him shit. Covington, Cantor, and Boston's first-round pick to the Rockets. Russell, Langford, and Poirier to the Timberwolves and allowed the Celtics to bring in Clint Capella. That's a possibility. It doesn't, I don't think that's likely in the slightest, although the two people, the three people that Boston are giving up are the three people that are being involved in pretty much every trade discussion in this hypothetical. So it is a possibility, but Atlanta have been actively shopping for a big man and Capella really fits what they're trying to do there. So I'm assuming they're going to be very aggressive. Which apparently would make John Collins available, by the way, which is just so weird to me. I don't understand that. But I don't know. Do we want to move on from this, throw out some of these other little smaller ones? I feel so, like we already kind of talked about this four teams, yeah? Yeah, I mean, deal. I mean, yeah, have you got any other small ones before we move on to the Sacramento talk? I do. Um, Ooh, I have one more, too. Go okay. Brandon first. <laughs> this uh, could just get completely shut down. But... Uh, so I'm bringing back Jay Crowder in this one. What do you think of talking about not wanting young guys, Shimmy Oshelay and Romeo Langford? Is it too much? I just don't see why you do it because I understand it. And I'm sure we spoke about this yesterday at some point. I definitely spoke to somebody about this exact thing yesterday. And it's, I don't see why you would bring back Crowder if you're looking for bench shooting because he's, Shooting isn't at a level that I'd consider him a knockdown scorer. It's actually been terrible this year. Exactly. Not, not even 30% from three. And then giving up Semi to get him, because the idea I'd had, well, even, yeah, okay, so say you do move Semi, you still got, then you've got Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, and Grant Williams coming off the bench. So the defense is fantastic, but it doesn't fix the scoring issue. So I just don't see the need for that trade. Yeah, that's fair. I, I kind of figured it would be a little bit too much here. I think it's also just almost revisionist 
um, talking about his time in Boston in terms of, I think it's just nostalgia factor. I think bringing a guy like Crowder in, the one benefit is we know how he plays. Um, that being said, he is also having a down year. His stats aren't as good as they could be. And he's not really, he's not a knockdown shooter from three. He is, in terms of his play style, I mean, he adds a lot of defense, which is huge. That that I won't deny, but we're not lacking on the defensive side. We are lacking in shooting, in three-point shooting specifically, and we're lacking in size. While he is able to play um, the power forward slot for us, he did that before in his time in Boston, he's still not exactly a big power forward. Like he's probably, if anything, he's along the same lines as a Grant Williams type. So he doesn't exactly add size. He adds defense, which we don't need, and he's having down years from beyond the arc and from the field. So as much as I love him and I don't completely rule it out, I, I think they're better off trying to get someone a little bit bigger with a little bit more shooting, even if it means, you know, giving up more assets. Totally fair. You know, okay, so one other one I'll throw in here before we move on to Sacramento stuff. Luke Kennard apparently was available. Um you know, Romeo Langford and the Boston first right there for a guy that really is, I think Kennard is going to be like a super six man somewhere. Um, he's started to run the pick and roll great this year. He's shooting 40% from three on six and a half attempts. Um, he's been, I, I mean, I just really like this guy. He's 23, you know, he fits with Jalen and Jason. Um, the one concern is injuries. Apparently he has tendonitis in both of his knees. Uh, he's missed 22 straight games, but yeah, that's, that's about it. I mean, I think he's going to be a pretty good player here. And I think that is comparable to what the Phoenix offer is, you know, of Javon Carter, Okobo in their first. Yeah, it's more than comparable. And the one thing with Kennard is his skill set to me is like a more experienced Landry Shamet. And I'm all for that. Yeah, I think he even could dribble a little more. Like, I almost, I am writing a piece where I think that the market for Kennard is almost going to set the market somewhat for Bogdanovich. I think that Kennard is going to, like, become a Bogdanovich pretty much. I know they dropped a deal for him, too. Like, Phoenix did. I remember you tweeted about it earlier today, I think, Brendan. And it wasn't really, like, a knockout offer. So I'm wondering if a team like Boston could come in with more assets and kind of steal him away. I know they probably would prefer to deal him out West, but it is definitely food for thought. He's a knockdown shooter for sure. He definitely fits what they're looking for. The only thing that he, that he doesn't fit is that veteran status. But if you can get shooting for such a, a small outlay, then you have to at least look at it, right? I mean, I'd be all for that trade. Would you consider the Memphis pick if it took that? So what, Romeo Langford, Romeo Langford and the Memphis pick? Yeah. Yeah, one. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, these, the picks have got to go somewhere. We can't, they can't just keep drafting young guys. There's not enough roster space to host them. At right. this point, I think any pick should be available for the right trade. Yeah, I don't know. That one, uh, that one was definitely interesting when I saw Kennard become available. So I would consider that. And it seems like Detroit's logic is they're trying to like get assets for anything they can, which is so stupid to me. Cause like Kennard is an asset. Like I don't what, uh, but yeah, I guess they want to get younger. They want to maybe package some draft picks, move up in the draft or something like that. But 
I mean, Romeo's as young as it gets, and same with a first-round pick. So, And I really think that Romeo needs to be on a team where he's going to be getting solid minutes every night in order to see where, what his true potential is. I feel like with him on the Celtics, he's just not going to have the developmental time in, in the NBA to be able to reach that ceiling that he's got. So part of me wants to see him moved for the benefit of his own NBA career. And then if you can package that with a pick and get someone back like Canard that can come off the bench and light it up from deep, I'm all for it. I think that's a fantastic trade idea. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got on that one. In that saying, I don't know if you want to transfer this over to Sacramento. I would well, rather I have take, Bogdanovich. I want to take a break before we go to Sacramento. All right. Get some water. But before we do, I know Tim said he had one small one to discuss. It's a quick one. Um, this was just something I thought of because he's a guy that I have personally wanted to see in Celtic Cream for a while. Um, back during the Philly days before um, they had made the trade, they'll go from one to three, the infamous Markel Feltz, Jason Tatum swap. Uh, I was really hoping he was going to be part of this deal. Dario Saric. Dario Saric is having a down year in Phoenix. Um, however, Phoenix is a team that's clearly going nowhere. Um, and he's making roughly $3 million a year, a little bit over. So this is one I whipped up. Dario Saric for Carson Edwards, Vincent Poirier, and a first-round pick. Um, take your pick of whichever pick it is, but what are your guys' thoughts? Saric is interesting. I really liked him when he was in Philadelphia, um, and he's definitely fallen off since then, but he's got like some playmaking to him. He's got a whole lot of versatility there. Uh, like you said, kind of a down year. I mean, the shooting is uh, fluctuated a lot throughout his career, but it's definitely some interesting versatility. He's still fairly young. Um, I mean, just for pretty much the Milwaukee pick, because the other two things you mentioned, like I'm not really worried about Carson Edwards or Poirier. I mean, Edwards is a nice little throw in, but it definitely interests me here. I could see, I could see the reasoning behind it for both sides. I don't hate it. I don't have strong feelings one way or another, but I definitely, definitely don't hate it. I prefer Brendan's kind of sold me on Luke Kennard at this point, so now I feel like I'm going to be quite biased on this one. I like <laughs> <laughs> on that Kennard one. I think, uh, yeah, sorry to go back to it, but I think that it wouldn't be Memphis. Like I think the Celtics would try to do their own pick, obviously. But yeah, yeah. I mean that's fine too. And Saric is a good good player as well. He could definitely show those guys up. I think that maybe they're looking for a wing or a two, like a combo guard or a free that can slide up to the four. I don't know if they'd be looking for someone like Saric, but I might be wrong. I mean, I don't know what they're looking for like with any inside information. I think they could definitely use some size. You know, he's a real four. That was kind of my one down uh, with, with, with Kennard. Yeah. That, you yeah know, if they can get size that shoots. Right. It means that's my thought playing the three too. or the four. You know, like you'd rather have him at the two, three sometimes. And I don't think that in any means... Dario Saric is similar to Davis Bertans, but I think he provides a similar skill set. When Dario Saric was on for Philly, he was on. And I mean like lights out. That guy used to eat us up every single time. So the fact that he is a pure power forward, uh, could potentially pay some stretch five in the right position, in the right system. I know he's having a down year, but maybe that's the exact opportunity to try and trade for him. His value uh, has to be on the dip on the down end. And I, I don't really see too many people talking about his availability, but a team like Boston could very well go in and swoop him, especially with the fact that 
there is a history of trades between Boston and Phoenix that could kind of help spark things, I think. This is Berton's sales pitch to Danny Ainge right now. Berton's is on the phone. And I did this last time as well, so I apologize for the repetition, but I find it really funny. If you're looking for a stretch big, I can tell you I can't dribble. But what I do have is a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a reasonably short NBA career. Skills that make me a nightmare for defenses in the East. If you trade for me now, that'll be the end of everyone you're coming up against. I'll just make these up as I go along. I enjoy them. Right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I promise no more silly taken quotes. And we'll jump into the Sacramento stuff because I know Brendan's going to have a bit of a sterner opinion on some of these trade ideas than what we'd like because Brendan is all in on Rashawn Holmes especially. Okay, so thank you for listening through the advertisements. We're back. So there's been talk of trades for Nemanja Bejelica. There's been talks of trades for Bogdan Bogdanovic. And I have seen rumors and murmurs of the Celtics casting admiring glances would probably be the best way of putting it for Rashawn Holmes. I know that we've got some trade packages that could be used to land one or two of those guys. None of them are going to land all three but we'll cover those each in a little bit of depth here and get Brendan's unique insight on this. Seems he's quite well... What, what one of you? like the four people that watches every Sacramento game. Exactly, yeah. One of like the four <laughs> people worldwide that watches Sacramento. So let's start off with the... Um, let's start off with Bogdan Bogdanovich because he's the guy that most Celtics fans are interested in. Me especially, I feel like he's going to be the guy that if you can trade for him, not only are you getting shooting now, and Jay King pointed this out as well, you're also getting an insurance policy should Gordon Hayward decide to move on in the summer. Yeah, I, I, think, it's the, I think it's the Canard deal, um, except you, instead of the Boston pick, it's the Memphis pick. So like Romeo, Shemi, and the Memphis pick. Um, and the Bogdanovich thing is like, it's, you have his restricted rights, but he's going to get like, he has a five, a four year, $52.9 million deal on the table right now. It's the max the Kings can offer him. And he's not going to accept that. Like he's going to get my, my predictions, like four years, 70 million, you know, like 17 million a year, which I think would be a lot for the Celtics to pay. Does he um, have bird rights? That's a question I don't know. He does. Yeah. It's going to, it'd be restricted. Yeah, but if the Celtics wanted to match or go into the cap, because when they trade, they'd get his bird rights as well. So that would be a possibility. I think that's where the insurance part for Gordon Hayward comes into play. Yeah, if Gordon were to leave, yeah, it definitely is uh, somewhat comparable to Gordon. But yeah, again, I mean, the same thing with the Kennard thing is that, well, I think Bogey's going to get more money than Kennard. Um, and they both have injury concerns. Bogdanovich definitely has his injury concerns. He's been healthy this year. Um, but he has missed long chunks of seasons before. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to pay him a little bit sooner. And again, you're getting really small here. You know, it's going to be a lot of Jalen and Jason at the four. But if you're all right with that. I'm more than all right with that. I mean, 
he's definitely a great shooter. What's his dribbles like? How does he handle the ball when he puts it on the floor? He actually is like phenomenal at dribbling. Uh, he's his playmaking is is okay. Um, I, I think it's it's decent. You know, he's going to get you what three assists tonight. I guess you can somewhat run an offense through him, but his handles and like self creation are ridiculous. Like even just watching him like do like little messing around one on one at warmups in their game yesterday, his handles are absolutely ridiculous. That's that's a big difference between him and Kennard. Um, and also Bogdanovich is clutch. Like he has done a lot overseas in regards to hitting big shots. He's hit a lot of big ones for the Kings. He hit a game winner against OKC this year. He has a super popular one against the Lakers last year. He hit at the buzzer. Um, that, so I do think that he definitely has more value than Kennard for those reasons. But yeah, no, his handle is his handle is no joke. So let's talk trade package. Who do you think what? As a Sacramento cover, as somebody that watches these guys, knows their needs, what could Boston put together as a package to uh, to entice Sacramento to to part ways with Bogdanovich? And if it needs to include Baylitsa too, then just let us know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned Langford, Ojale, I, I think actually could be interesting. Like Langford would be the Bogdanovich replacement pretty much. He'd become their backup too even though Bogdanovich has been starting right now. Um, Ojale, they definitely could use a backup three. And then that Memphis pick, and is that enough? I don't know. Like, do you also throw in, would they ask for the Milwaukee pick too? Like, the thing is, is that, like, Sacramento doesn't need to move on from him. They can just keep him and um, totally make salary work, even with the – the Barnes deal and with Fox and Bagley, if they potentially got maxes unless Bogdanovich got just a ridiculous amount of money, they can still make that work. So I think you do kind of have to blow them away. Like maybe you're looking at the Memphis and the Milwaukee first, you know, um, cause while Sacramento can pay it, how much money do they want to be? Does the owner want to be paying on a team that is just losing? So, I mean, would you do Romeo, Shemi, the Memphis pick and the Milwaukee pick? That's a lot for what's what's possibly a rental, though, right? Right. I mean, I'd rather throw somebody else in and bring back Bay Leacher as well, because then you know you're at least getting an extra year of shooting from one of the two guys. And the signing trade thing was going to hard cap them, right? Like it did previously before with the whole Terry trade. Yeah. So if they were to sign and trade again in the summer, they'd be hard capped again, and we've seen what sort of cap issues that causes when you're trying to drum up trade ideas it affects the fans more than it does the team i think at this point yeah and i also think uh in terms of a deal for the kings with that trade happening it it does give the celtics some kind of backup in case gordon hayward ends up opting out or leaving but it, it does open them up in terms of money issues down the line as well if you lose bogdanovich in free agency or he gets a big offer and then you're stuck matching it and then if Gordon Hayward opts out or you have to worry about the Jason Tatum extension, it it does help them a lot in the short term. It it will help them this season. It does open up more question marks in terms of money though. Well, I think this only happens that I think they only match Bogdanovich if Hayward decides to opt out. So Jason Tatum becomes irrelevant. It's literally, it would literally be a swap for swap in finances. You'd be swapping out what you're paying Hayward and then you'd be placing that onto Bogdanovich. The question is, 
Yeah, I mean, you just get a little bit of a downgrade version of Hayward, pretty much. Yeah, but that's he's way younger. Way and you have him for way for longer, and no foot his, no foot history either. Um, no, I mean, Bogey definitely has his injury histories, though. Yeah, I mean, what player doesn't at that point? But it is a question. It would literally be if Hayward's leaving, we can re- we can match Bogey. But if not, then we've just gave up quite a few young pieces plus some draft picks for a six-month rental. That price seems quite high to me unless you can make Bayleach a part of the deal in order to cement shooting next year. Yeah, it's tricky to make Bayleach a part of it too because Bayleach makes, um, what is it, uh, $12 million, I believe, somewhere around there. Um, I don't know why this isn't popping up. Uh, so then, you know, you're including Cantor and then you don't have a big and it kind of gets a little bit weird um, and yeah, I mean the thing, like I said, with the Kings thing, there was an article came out yesterday, Bogey saying he wants to stay. Um, the Kings don't have to trade him. It would make a lot more sense to just keep him. Um, so that's why I kind of feel like you got to blow him out of the water. Yeah. Tim Maxwell put that out, right? He, he just a tweet saying the Kings don't have to trade Bogdan Bogdanovich. The Kings don't have to trade Bogdan Bogdanovich. Did you see yeah, that one? They really don't. So, yeah. So what about if the Celtics were to make a play for Rashawn Holmes and Bear Litzer? Oof. Do you have a uh, do you have a trade in front of you here? I can find one. I can uh, I can work one up real quick here too. Yeah. So I mean, Holmes to me, I just finished an article saying like Holmes to me, like because Sacramento was linked to Capella. I, my article, the whole premise of it, like Capella is barely better than Holmes. Like Holmes has been absolutely ridiculous this year. He's been a most improved candidate. He's not going to get it because of Devontae Graham and Brandon Ingram. Um, but his rim protection's been ridiculous. Last time I checked, he was second or third in the NBA in field goal percentage. He's been a little bit injured right now with a shoulder thing going on. But aside from that, like he's, he seems pretty durable. Um, like Holmes is, is pretty much what you're getting in Capella to me. Minus, minus the rebounding. Um, I, I think Capella is just definitely a, a beast of a rebounder. Um, but Holmes is a ridiculous player. So, I mean, okay, so, and you're getting Bielitsa. So, you know, if you're looking at Cantor, Shemi, and Lankford, um, which Kings aren't going to care about Cantor, but then Lankford also, I think you sent me this earlier today, actually. Um, and I told you that Lankford is weird if they have both Bogdanovich and Buddy still because then you have three guys that are just clearly shooting guards. And it's a little difficult to play um, two of those three together at times and find minutes for Lankford. So, I mean, if you do that and you throw uh, the Memphis pick, I don't know, and like, man... This is rough because, like, Holmes, like I said, I feel like it's such good value. You'd also have him for a second year. Same with Bielitsa. Yeah, okay, so Cantor, Langford, Ojale, the Memphis pick, and, man, it's not the Milwaukee, like, the Brooklyn second. I'll do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. This is interesting. So what did we say we'd give up for Capella? Um, 
Cantor, Poirier, Langford, and Memphis first round pick. Yeah, this same thing except Ojale instead of Poirier. And you're adding a second in order to also get Bielitsa. So maybe instead of this, like you're also looking at instead of the Brooklyn, you're looking at that Milwaukee first. I mean, there's so little difference between those two picks that I'm fine. Yeah, it might be like 15 pick difference, which is a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Like this is this is difficult. Like to me, it, it's it's hmm. To me, that's the trade that makes most sense for Boston, but makes little sense for Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, I definitely one of my favorite trades for the the Kings and the Celtics is just Bielitsa. I think Bielitsa for you know the Boston pick, the Milwaukee pick. Um, and like your filler is like Poirier and Ojale. Yeah, Bailey's is the guy that I want the most, so I'm happy to move on with whatever needs to be moved to make that happen. Simply because I think the extra year on him and the fact that he's more available, rumored to be more available than Bertans, makes him more desirable. Because yeah, he is. Be Bert, he is. He is pretty much like Bertans. Like he's not the shoot. I mean, he's not the spark plug what did i say the human torch that bertans is in a way not uh, the defender either yes that is, that is very true um but bielitz is able to put the ball on the floor and make uh plays that way a little bit more and bielitz has been i mean he's just been ridiculous shooting this season i mean there's times where he a lot of times he'll have a lot of really good months and then slow down and you know maybe he had one month of slowing down a little bit this year but he's 43 percent from beyond the arc on four and a half attempts like he is he's just absolutely ridiculous he's on a tear right now um he's made 45 of his last 94 attempts like night which is almost 50 percent on five threes a game i mean this guy can shoot the ball like nobody's business. And I think the Celtics are kind of looking for a consistent offensive guy on the bench. And if you're really just giving up Shemi and the Milwaukee first, I don't think it's terrible. So I think that pretty much wraps up all of the projected trades that Boston has been mentioned in that actually make any sense. Unless you've got one left, Brendan, I think that wraps up this trade primer. I don't. I did throw in like a... Malik Beasley for Shemi Ojale in a second. But again, like I kind of stopped myself because that was the one that made me realize like you just really get smaller there. Like Malik Beasley can do a little bit more. I think he's a better shooter, um, but you lose one of your wing defenders for a guard defender. And I don't think that Boston quite needs that. So to wrap this up, I just want to know everybody's first choice. If you had a choice of out of all the guys we've mentioned, Regardless of package, who would it be to for the Celtics to trade for? Who would be your primary option? I'll start by saying Bayelitsa. Hmm. Regardless of what you're giving up, yeah, just your prime. Who would be? Who do you feel like would be your favorite acquisition? If Celtics could sign any of these guys tomorrow morning, who would it be? I mean, I'm going with Holmes. Like, I also am just in love with little mini Montrez Harrell. I think uh, 1A would be Bertans, 1B would be Saric. Oh, no, you don't get a cup out, Bertans is no a good All right, fine, 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 fine. I would say Bertans. Okay, so we've got Bailey, Rashawn Holmes, and Bertans. Three different 
options, three different ideals. Tweet at us at Adam Taylor NBA, at Brendan Nunes NBA, at Return of the Boy, which should be changed to Tim Shields NBA, but we'll get him there eventually. And um, <laughs> let us know what your pick would be. Let us know whether you agree with our analysis of why they would be good fits and why the team that they're currently a part of would be reluctant to make any trade. And then we'll see what happens on the trade deadline, which is, by the time you listen to this, it's only like, what, six, 20, 36 hours away? It's going to be an interesting few days, guys. We'll be back again on Friday to recap everything that's taken place over the trade deadline. You've been listening to the Celtics pod. Make sure to leave us a written review and five-star rating on your podcast provider. And you'll see here from Brendan again on Sunday when he's definitely still going to have my notifications on. (laughs) All right, guys, it's been fun. We'll catch you again later in the week. Say bye, Brendan. Bye. I need to meet. There we go. Hi. There it is. <laughs> oh, God, that freaking. Uh... <laughs>